intro now. Yeah, let's go ahead and do the intro. Cool, cool, cool. What if we um I was I thinking, thought you know. Okay. So you could do the let's let me Hello just... and welcome to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Horvath. And I'm Kip Wilkinson. <laughs> you don't just chime in and not go. That's why I wanted to talk through it. <laughs> Briefly. Instead of it being And so we're your hosts, Micah and Kip. Welcome to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Horvath. And I'm Kip Wilkinson. This podcast exists to share the stories of everyday people, to discuss the difficult moments in life, the triumphant times, and the journey in between. We all have a story to tell. We hope this podcast helps you in telling your own. In this episode, we wanted to just take a moment um, and talk through what's going on in the world, talk through the COVID-19 pandemic and something that has happened in our hometown recently. Um, And we also had the opportunity to invite my wife, Erin Wilkinson, onto the podcast, and she's going to talk through some of the maybe mental health aspects of what's going on with COVID-19 and quarantine. But we'll let her tell you the story. So I'm sure it's no surprise to anyone listening. There's a pandemic going on right now, also known as COVID-19, which has been a struggle for many of us, uh, Kip and I and our families included. This is true. Um, Jobs are being affected. Um, Neither of us have personally lost our jobs. Our wives haven't lost their, their jobs. We're seeing some of our family members lose hours or be fired or furloughed entirely. I think I'm saying that right. Furloughed. Uh, furloughed. <laughs> furloughed. There's a blooper. Furloughed. Furloughed. Um, so we are seeing direct effects to our, our own personal lives from COVID-19 as I'm sure a lot of people listening are. Yeah. And, and while I'm still working, work as affected, especially being in a small business, uh, thankfully we're an essential as we, supply medical supplies and equipment. Um, so in order for physicians and hospitals and people like that to have what they need, we have to be open. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all seeing drastic changes in our social lives and just the, the norms of how we go about our day to day. Like I wear a mask at work now, which is something I never thought I'd be doing. Um, I have to wear gloves when I'm doing stuff or, wipe things down with Lysol wipes or Clorox wipes or whatever. Um, but then also just not being able to go out and hang out with friends. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious we're not meant to do this alone. And this is making that a whole new reality. Uh, just how there's a lot of uh, solitude and just people who are extroverts struggling because they're they're stuck inside. People who... Our introverts are stuck around people that need space and can't get it. So it's a, there's a lot of interesting dynamics there that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and then also on top of that, 
if you're not from the Chattanooga area, you might not have heard about this, um, but we got hit with a tornado. Yes, um, specifically the southeast, uh, the night of Easter was hit uh, two in a city north of here called Cleveland, one in Chattanooga, and then one in Alabama. But the one here was the largest and probably the most destructive out of the four. Yeah. Uh, which was classed at an EF3 with about 145 mile per hour winds. And I think the total amount of houses that were severely impacted was like 300. Yeah, almost 400. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's really cool it, it's to see God in that situation is how few casualties there were. Um, there were unfortunately casualties and I'm sure as people are in critical condition, that number is going to go up. Um, our thoughts and prayers literally out to those affected by this, but the numbers are staggeringly low for what it did. That has been blowing my mind. Just the first time I, I realized how many people had been unfortunately lost to the storm. It was like three to 10, somewhere in there. Um, the numbers have been different in the news, but it just for some clarification, it hit a, a massively populated suburban area. Like it literally hit a, a, just a big neighborhood. It literally affected thousands of people. Yeah. And, and just to clarify that it's Paige and I weren't directly affected as our house. But we were affected in the sense of her grandmother's house, uh, my aunt and uncle's house, and a couple of friends' houses. Um, and then there were there were multiple thousands without electricity for a few days. I know um, Kip and Aaron were without power until what Thursday. Uh, I think it was Friday. Friday. It might have been Saturday. Yeah, I think we were out of power for at least. At least five days, maybe six. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up staying with Aaron's parents. Um, but like you said, just watching, uh, luckily none of our family were affected. Yeah. And we weren't affected. Um, but watching friends go through it. And then Absolutely. like we went in and volunteered to help clean stuff up. And I can't even, I can't even put into words yet. I'm still trying to figure, figure out how I feel about it. Um, just definitely devastated because this is an area that we grew up in um this isn't like neighborhoods that i drove through every day to go home and to go to school and to go to work and it's just crushing to see this oh absolutely so that was um, interesting to to deal with the obvious pandemic on top of a, a tornado and i don't know about for you guys but um Paige and i were out almost every day after work last week and it it wasn't but covid might as well have been on pause mm-hmm. yeah. that was the furthest thing from our minds was how can we serve those who are are hurting or struggling and what's the current need um, so in a sense as terrible as it was and i mean this in the most respectful way it was a breath of, a breath of fresh air for me because i was serving alongside other church members it was the body active being the hands and feet of god which we've missed for almost two months now and so it was a reminder of why we gather and it was something to look forward to so that when this is over with and we can be together again not to take that for granted um it's definitely the whole covid situation has made me 
appreciate what other countries and missionaries go through that don't have the luxury of corporate worship publicly. We get to worship. Uh, Our church is specifically blessed with online services that are really well produced um, and not for the sake of a show, but they put a lot of hard work into it to make it easy to follow and easy to feel a part of, but it puts it in a whole new perspective for me. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a cool, I hate to say cool, but it was, a, it was a really great moment to see community growing together and serving together, which kind of leads me into what I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, as we're, as we in Chattanooga are walking through this, this moment with the tornadoes, but also everybody in, in the world walking through this issue with COVID-19, how we can use these opportunities to love our neighbors and to take care of the people in our lives. Yeah. So that's going to look very different now than it ever has trying to be mindful of other people's space, their health and safety in ways that aren't typical. So do you have any practical advice? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing is just to take into mind what, what the CDC says, their guidelines. Uh, try to stay six feet away from people. If you have some kind of a cloth mask, an N95 mask, a surgeon's mask, whatever it is, wear that as you're interacting with people in person. Um, and I'm keeping in mind, like, if you're going to your next-door neighbor, like, this is a really awesome opportunity to take care of the neighbor next door. And if you're going to do that and do it in person, Take these precautions, stay six feet away, wear some kind of mask, um, wear gloves if you can, wash your hands with, with Germex or at least soap and water. Um, take those obvious healthy guidelines that the CDC has given us. And I'll give a disclaimer. Refer back to the CDC. We're going off of memory here. Yeah. Uh, so please, no criticism. We do want to stress the importance of listening to the CDC in this situation, as well as all healthcare professionals, which we are not. Exactly. Disclaimer over. I think what we want to give is more advice on how to reach out to your neighbor, um, some practical ways to actually go do that and put that into action. Um, so one thing you can do is literally to check in on your neighbor. Um, something I've seen people do is to put together a small supplies basket, especially for their elderly neighbors who aren't feeling safe enough to go into a supermarket and buy things that they need um, or to just leave a note in someone's mailbox and say, Hey, I'm at such and such address. Here's my phone number. If you need help in any way, shape or form, please let me know. Um, so you can do things like that. There's really practical, helpful things you can do as a neighbor. The other thing you can do would be to um, share a testimony with your neighbor. And that might look a little different because you want to stay six feet away from them. But if you have some kind of social interactions with your neighbor already, like me and Aaron talk to our neighbors every now and then and have small brief conversations about our dog and how he barks at them too much. <laughs> <laughs> but those can lead into really cool conversations that normally you would just say, hey, how are you doing? How's the, the weather's really nice right now, except in Chattanooga. And you can lead those conversations more towards how are you dealing with this difficult situation? Like, how are you dealing with your anxiety and depression? Um, 
and use those as opportunities to tell them about how God brought you through a difficult season of life. Absolutely. And I find uh, in our neighborhood, at least, so many more people are outside, including us. We stay pretty busy throughout the year and we're just coming and going or we're just beat. And so we're just inside kind of recharging, resting. But because we're forced to slow down, which I think is an awesome thing, and I'll touch on that in a little bit. Um, there's so much more ability to talk and meet any neighbors you don't know. Uh, perfect example, we have brand new neighbors next door and got to talk to them really quickly after moving in from a distance. And that was a really pleasant experience. They have three dogs, three daughters. Um, we didn't get into too deep of conversation, so I didn't get to pick their brain about faith. That's on the list. Or get to share my own for that matter. But there is so much more opportunity because people are out their home and definitely take advantage of that. Like Kip said, as simple as, how are you doing today? Are you coping? Are you are you thriving? Are you surviving? Where are you at? Honest questions that you can ask genuinely, you'll get a much better response than, how's it going? So you want to be a little bit more direct or tactical in your phrasing because if it's hey what's up that's oh they're just making conversation i'm gonna go back in the garage and work on the lawnmower or you know woodwork or whatever you do a little bit a little bit more intentionality absolutely this is a, a weird moment in time where we actually have what i would call a captive audience almost because Everyone's craving some social interaction because they've been stripped of it. They can't go out and socialize with people where they normally would. So your neighbor's probably more prone to talk to you right now. If you just go say, hey, what's up? You doing okay? Can I get you anything? Can I pray for you? So one thing you do right now is reach out to your loved ones and check in. Um, you can, this could be literal relatives of yours or close friends that you're not getting to see because most likely these are people that you don't live with or live next to um, who also just need someone to talk to about what's going on. Uh, so just be intentional and send a text, call them, do a Zoom call. That's what me and my family are doing right now. Um, whatever it is, this is a time to check in with those people too and just be like, are you okay? Is everything okay? Yeah, so, you know, when you talk about a captive audience and you talk, you're talking about, I mean, and obviously this podcast is so much about sharing your story and, and what, you know, your faith journey has looked like. But I think too, and I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but with the coronavirus stuff and then especially with the tornado stuff as well, you know, when I walk out and when I go to the grocery store, I go to the gas station or whatever, people know it's weird, you know, and it's, there's kind of this collective, like, now you might look at, I was in, I was in line to get into Walmart the other day and, um, you know, this woman kind of said something to me. And I think in that moment, like me being the captive audience and being willing to listen, um, I think there's something about that that makes this other person feel less alone and less like, this is so weird. Um, and so I think not only do we have the opportunity to tell other people our story, but also we have the opportunity maybe even more so than normal to listen. Um, and I think that can be such an impactful part of what's going on. And I can, I probably have more to say about that with tornado stuff, but. Well, and, and would you say that if you're li willing to listen, genuinely listen and, and show interest, the 
the party talking is going to be more likely to reciprocate. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think that's been something that as a counselor, like that's something that I've learned because, you know, there are ethical boundaries <laughs> for me to not be able to like give my opinion a whole lot and really speak into a whole lot. Um, and it's forced me to be a better listener. Um, and there's just something beautiful that happens when you listen to someone else's experiences and you listen to hear what what's going on, not just to speak and respond. What did you want to say about downtime? Oh, I don't yeah. know where that fits in. Yeah, going back to um, how specifically Paige and I are being forced to slow down as many, if not all of us are, thinking about how poorly we we observe the Sabbath. And this is a huge learning opportunity for me, and, and I hope Paige too, but I can only speak for myself here, that I struggle to just stop and take it easy unless I'm completely burned out. Whereas it's healthy to stop and reflect and listen and be still in this opportunity as terrible as it is, is is forcing that for me. And I think so many others. And so if, if any of our listeners are in that place, I would challenge you to, to try and learn and grow in that way as I'm trying to not always succeeding, but I'm trying and uh, it'll, it'll amaze you to see what you learn through it. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I think that's something we're learning to because we we're just go 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 all the time, nonstop, nonstop. Uh, especially Sundays, we're in, we're in church all day, and we love it. And we love serving, but in the capacity that we do, but sometimes we get burnt out pretty easily. We do a really poor job of resting. Yeah, um, which is a really important, just a really important thing. <laughs> well, and and like you guys are saying, you guys serve on Wednesdays. I think it's a important while a little bit off topic for today's episode um kip and i firmly believe that the sabbath isn't a set day it's taking time to rest if the creator of the universe took a day to rest who are you to say i don't need one mm-hmm. and so whether that's a monday a thursday sunday just try your best to find a day to honor that um, because again you're not above god Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, because the Sabbath has always existed as a moment to stop and not rely on your own power or strength and to just reflect on who God is and all that he's done for you, um, which I think is going to, I think is a good way to lead into what I wanted to talk about next, which is how to have peace during these trying times. Yeah, that's difficult. I mean, so many people being laid off other people being furloughed, um, you know, other people going down hours or pay because of everything going on and slowing down. It's very easy to worry, to doubt, to completely have fear of uncertainty. But as Kip said, it's important to, to find your reliance on God and not necessarily on a bank account. And I'm not trying to say finances aren't important because that's how you provide for your family. That's that's how we take care of our family and provide shelter and food and clothing. So it is important, but finding the difference between worry and being prepared and being wise. Yeah. And then I think just in general, 
right now there's a lot of uncertainty about a lot of things. Um, not even necessarily in our day-to-day personal lives, but on a almost a global level, a lot of people are just like, I don't know what's going on right now. Um, I mean, there are days I don't even know what to think anymore. I'm just like, I don't know what's true and what's not true at this point because there's just so many different stories and, and news sources saying whatever right now, and I don't want to get too into that because that's not what we're here about. Um, but then also, you know, recently walking through the, the storms that hit here, there's just some some fear and, and a feeling of chaos going on where it's hard to find peace at times. Um, and it's hard to, to remember what we are supposed to rely on. So what are, what are some ways that you guys find find peace in moments like this? A practical way that I try to find peace during this time is, is reminding myself of scripture of truth. And honestly, turning off the news, limiting that, not being obsessive with it, because the more you listen to it, the more you dwell on it. And as somebody who almost went into the media industry, that's what I studied in school before I went into marketing. It's all about ratings. And so if there's a specific agenda they can push to get more people to watch longer, they're going to. So you have to keep that in mind and take it at face value. It's not always accurate, some more so than others. So um, what I try to do is honestly just limit it, and then I'll get completely opposing perspectives when I do want to be informed. I'll listen to somebody who's extremely far right, extremely far left, and try and find somebody who's a little bit more balanced and then compare all of that to try and get my own informed decision but that's that's really hard and that takes a lot of time so at very least i recommend just limiting it you know you got to figure out what's okay for you whether it's five minutes 30 minutes but multiple hours every day just taking in all that's happening it's just going to crowd your your mind and a lot of the times put you in a negative space to begin with so it's really hard to it's an uphill battle if you will yeah, that's super applicable. I think for me, um, one way to find peace just during all this is, you know, I think it's really easy to focus or kind of get caught up in when is this going to end? When are things going to go back to normal? Um, I keep hearing clients say that too. It's just like, is this the new, people keep saying, is this the new normal? Um, and it can be really overwhelming to look those weeks and months in advance and not know when it's going to end or when the stopping point is. But I think for me, just maybe taking things one day at a time and finding things to be grateful for in that day. So like, I've been really, really grateful just that for that slowdown and like being able to take my dog on more walks or sleep in a little bit or have nights where I'm home before dark, which I mean, it's partially because the sun <laughs> is up longer, but um, just having a little bit more rest, I'm really, really grateful for so just focusing it one on one day at a time instead of being overwhelmed by what's going to happen, you know, because this isn't going to last forever. No, that, and that's really good about something that Paige and I have done that I didn't vocalize. I'm so glad you did. Is finding the positives in each day, each moment, even. So what about in the past? How have you guys been able to find peace through a difficult or an uncertain time? I, I know for myself, it's always beneficial to think about how God has been there in the past, even before. So God's always been there 
in those circumstances. And once I see that, the next time I'm able to reflect on that. And then the time after that, well, I'm reflecting on two times and then so on and so on. So I'm always looking at how God has provided peace or comfort or rest in these uncertain, difficult times throughout life and looking back at his promises and how they've come to fulfillment. There's nothing that helps me more than that personally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, and I'm, I want to come back to that point too, but just to give some really practical things that you could do that I try to do as often as I can to help, um, you know, get into scripture. Um, the Psalms have been super beneficial for me. Like just unbelievably helpful, especially in moments like this, because you read them and you just hear David and the other psalmists lament and God's just answering them. Um, but then just reading any part of scripture and you just see God answering people's prayers and coming to rescue them in their time of need because they're faithful and because he loves them. Uh, the other one is prayer. I feel like that's pretty obvious. I don't always do a great job uh, about my prayer life. Um, recently, I've started prayer journaling, which is never—it's not something I've ever done. I've been a believer for, I guess it's about 12 years now, somewhere in there. And I've never intentionally sat down and just written out my prayers every day. And I've been doing that recently, and it's been unbelievably helpful. Um, it's, it's helped me focus my prayer life a lot more. Um, and then honestly, just to be more real and open with what I'm saying to the Lord, it's been, it's been really nice. And the other one, the other one I think is one of the biggest ones is fellowship. Um, anytime something's going on in my life that I am having a hard time dealing with, or when something has happened, that's just a tragedy going to other people and just talking through it with them has been the greatest thing that is is an option I guess um you know we're not we're not meant to do life alone we're meant to do life with other believers um a three-chord bond's not easily broken uh, as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another you know when you when you're going through a hardship a trial a struggle whatever whatever you want to call it whatever it is whether it's COVID-19 a tornado a job loss whatever if you have people around you who are constantly lifting you up and encouraging you with scripture and in prayer, um, but also just an encouragement, that's the greatest thing that you could possibly have in your life. I'll be honest, I don't, I don't have answers. Um, I won't pretend to have answers to all of the questions here of like, how do you deal with the job loss? How do you deal with fear and, and uncertainty or natural disasters? All I can say is that I've I've walked through some terrible things before. I've had my life crumble around me, and I felt like there was no hope. And God showed up and did some of the most incredible things. Uh, he really makes beautiful things from ashes. And I'm trusting that he will bring great things out of these times of chaos. Yeah, and I can only imagine what God will do especially with the challenge you kind of issued to, to me and anyone listening of just being willing to share your story, the gospel with your neighbors. If everyone listening did that, that'd be insane. Just one person. And if other people around the world that aren't even listening have the same idea and conviction, 
and are obedient in that, the world will quite literally be changed for the better through this. So absolutely excited to see what God's going to accomplish. And I think too, I, I meant to mention this, but I think what's, what'll be really cool and what you might see when you go out and share your story with other people is that you see, I guess God kind of renewing your own spirit. Um, because when you go back and you look at all the reminders of the things that God has done for you throughout your entire life, all the things he's brought you through and all the things he's brought your friends and family through, it just encourages you and it uplifts you and it recharges your batteries because you do see time and time again that he is faithful. Just like when you read through the scriptures and you just see God bringing through Israel through this and this and this and this. You can look back at your own life as you're telling your own story to somebody and say, God brought me through this and this and this and this, and he's going to bring me through this too. It's going to be okay. All right, so Aaron, you are a mental health professional, specifically what we would call a counselor. Therapist, counselor, I'm not sure what I am. You know. but. Um, so what I, I was hoping we could talk with you a little bit about just mental health amid crisis I, I feel like you know we've been talking about two specific crises, crises but for anybody not in Chattanooga they're they're dealing with a crisis too um, mm -hmm. with this this pandemic so we wanted to get your perspective on things from a mental health mindset and ultimately just get your perspective on on things that people are struggling with right now um, that they're not used to struggling with um, because they're at home by themselves right now. Yeah, I mean, this is such a strange time. And even, you know, even as a therapist, it's been weird, you know, to be seeing clients during all this because things have shifted for me so much too. I mean, I'm trying to see clients online for the most part. Um, and to be honest, so many of the things that I would normally recommend, you know, like we, you know, if somebody's depressed, like my frontline recommendations are get exercise, um, whether that's going to a gym or going outside, like I recommend getting sunlight. I recommend not isolating and spending time with people um, in healthy relationships. And those are all things that to some degree have been limited, right? So like even our parks are closed. And I know after, after and I'm, I'm not giving an opinion on that necessarily from a, a health perspective, but from a mental health perspective, I know that after the week that the parks were shut down, I had multiple clients like, I was doing okay, but then they shut down the parks and now I'm losing my mind, you know? Um, so that and then like just gyms being closed and, you know, so there's a, it's a unique, it, it's like there's so many layers to this, um, whether you want to call it just of stressors or like, it's almost like a worldwide trauma in a way. Um, you know, there is that uncertainty. I mean, loss of job, that's a huge, you know, if you look at like the top 10 list of life stressors, like job changes, job, like work issues, um, financial problems, those are all really, really huge stressors. And then you add in that loss of co like normal coping skills that we would recommend. And it just creates a lot of stuff, you know, and then we've lost the ability to meet as a church. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a mess, honestly. <laughs> so with all the 
normal or traditional coping mechanisms that you would recommend? Do you have any alternatives? Yeah. And honestly, that's been kind of a tough thing to do. I mean, I definitely still think communicating with people, you know, through Zoom is better than not at all. Um, You know, I think so many of us, whether you want to call it stress or whether you want to call it anxiety, it's the same system in your body at work. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think whether, whether you are interpreting it as stress or anxiety, it really is the same basic system at work. It's that fight or flight thing going on. Um, and so doing things that are, I think a lot of times we have a tendency to ignore it. Like, oh, I'm anxious. Let me ignore it. Or I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm just going to pretend like I'm not stressed out. We, we're not really in tune with our anxiety and stress. And I think we tend to experience more anxiety and stress when we don't acknowledge that like where we are right now as a world and as a country and as a city, like it just sucks, you know, um, yeah, I think just where we are as a community right now really is not fun. So I think just being honest about that and expressing that to other people rather than just kind of sitting in your own bubble like, okay, I'm fine. I think of that meme with the dog and he's melting in the fire, you know, and it's like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. This is fine. <laughs> That's kind and of I been what we tend yeah. to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've referenced that many times during this situation. Yeah. So do hobbies tend to help with coping? Are there not everyone's going to unfortunately be good at introspection. That's tough for a lot of people, myself included for sometimes. Sure. So are there any physical, like as silly as it sounds sitting in the sun on your front porch, back porch is that? I mean, honestly, I think that's better than nothing. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Um, there's also, I mean, honestly, yoga is a really good option especially if you are feeling anxious because that's going to, especially if you're doing the breathing that yoga usually has with it, um, because that's going to bring that your fight or flight system. It's, I could get really technical there, but, um, it's going to bring that fight or flight system down when you do the deep breathing with yoga. Um, or even like you can get YouTube, you can get on YouTube and like find deep breathing videos or like things like that that'll kind of walk you through it. I know it sounds kind of new agey and a lot of people are like, this is weird. Why am I doing this? Um, but when you understand the biology of anxiety and stress, it actually tricks your body into calming down. So it it's useful. All right. So because people are so isolated right now, they're in an op- they're, they have an opportunity to really just sit and reflect and to, as Mike, Micah said, be introspective. Do you think because of that, you'll start to see a lot of people becoming more mentally healthy or at least mentally aware of where they are? So like imagine somebody has a lot of trauma that they have not processed through because they're constantly distracting themselves with, with social gatherings or entertainment or whatever it is. But because they've, they're stuck in isolation right now, they're going to have an opportunity that they've almost been forced into to begin processing these things. I think it depends on the person. Um, and I work, you know, I work primarily, I, I love working with trauma. Um, that's kind of my, my field of, that's where I've got extra training because that's what I wanted to do. Um, and yes, it's possible. I think people will be maybe more aware because there's less distraction. Um, but you, you're also talking about 
you've got like this worldwide trauma going on. There's uncertainty, there's instability. That's already going to cause people to be anxious, whether they're worried about actually getting sick or whether they're just worried about, am I going to have a job or what's, what's going to happen? Um, so you're already in a time of uncertainty and instability. Um, and whenever we talk about trauma therapy, one of the first, the first phase of trauma treatment is establishing safe, safety and stability. Um, so, you know, if somebody doesn't have the tools to self-regulate and then they're forced to just sit in their trauma all day, like that's going to cause, I think for a lot of people, a lot of problems. And I think that's where, you know, there is a struggle in this time of like, there's a reality to the fact that this time is just not fun for a lot of people. I, th- I think a, a summation of what you're trying to say is that there could be a lot of potential for overanalyzing things that they're not prepared to handle on their own. Exactly. And we're, I mean, we are social creatures, you know, and so then to be sitting in this pain of trauma that you're remembering without those coping skills and then without people to lean on. I, I mean, I think for a lot of people that could cause a lot of, a lot more anxiety. Um, now for people who maybe do have the tools, but just never spend time like being still, yeah, being still and like slowing down and that self-reflection can be a really good tool, um, that journaling and all that, but I think it just depends on the person to some degree. Well, and I could also see uh, a struggle of people not wanting to. There's plenty of things to distract yourself with. Uh-huh. If you want to avoid negative emotions, we're really, I think that's also like you're going to see, that's why we've seen a lot of people with like an uptick in the addiction stuff too. Like you're going to find a way to cope if you want to cope. So coming out of that, what I wanted to ask you most importantly is as people are beginning to see these red flags themselves, what are some ways, like they're at home, they're home alone, they're starting to realize that they have this trauma or some other issue, like they're recognizing anxiety or depression or whatever it might be. What are some ways that you can re- recommend that they seek help for it? Because I know, I know personally, as someone who's not uh, got a master's in counseling or even been through that much counseling or knows that much about it, it can be really uh, intimidating to know where to start. Um, so like, how, how would you recommend people go about finding help with these things? Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, if you're having, um, any kind of thoughts about suicide or ending your life or anything like that, um, if it's immediate, go to the emergency room, call 911, all of those things. Um, you know, there's suicide hotlines, um, but I think more than anything, and by the way, the number for that is 1-800-273-8255. Um, but I think, you know, more than anything, you don't have to go through all this alone. Um, and even I think maybe people have a tendency to downplay what they're feeling like, oh, well, everybody's going through this. The whole country's going through this. The whole state's going through this. Like, this isn't, I mean, I should just be able to deal with this. Well, okay. Yeah, everybody's going through it, but that doesn't mean that you're that you're okay you know um so I think reaching out to people and just talking about it um first of all but then you know if you need to see a counselor go see a counselor no shame in that and how would someone Um, find a counselor 
Well, um, you know, sometimes if you ask friends, sometimes you can get some really good recommendations that way. Um, also, if you actually, even when I refer people, I'll hop on psychology today um, and they've got all these little search things that you can search by your insurance. You can search by topics, um, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's a good way to do. But I, I always I do like to see if I can get a personal recommendation. Um, but with psychology today, you can read through kind of somebody's profile um, and see if you kind of like what they say. Um, and some therapists are still doing like intakes in person. So, um, you know, it is a little different doing it online, but, you know, you can do that too. Well, and this, this may just be me making assumptions. But it seems like for some people, the online may be less intimidating than in person. That I mean, for some people, that might be true. The majority of my clients prefer in person, um, but the transition has not been as bad as well. But you know, all of us, I, I wasn't excited about it <laughs> either. Um, but the transition hasn't been nearly as bad. Um, I think that there is, especially with trauma, if you're talking about trauma in particular there is a lot of value in being in person in my personal opinion so today i, I got on uversion the uh, the free bible app everybody uses um and i noticed on you know they have a recommendation of devotionals that you can try out and i was just scrolling through and it was anxiety anxiety how to deal with anxiety 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 covid 19 anxiety i was like Oh my gosh, what's the trending topic right now? I have no idea. Um, and I just think it's very clear that a lot of people are experiencing almost the same thing right now. Um, a lot of people are dealing with anxiety and depression, um, but more so anxiety just as we live in this crazy state of uncertainty and and almost chaos right now. Um, but I was wondering if you've noticed or maybe what's your take on I guess communal empathy that's how I'm phrasing it there's probably a more technical term for this or like secondhand trauma and like how everybody seems to be dealing with anxiety right now I think most times when people are experiencing anxiety it's because we feel like we are out of control um, and you know obviously this time has shown us that we there are some things that we absolutely can't control um, and then I think too just with the tornadoes hitting like that's another example of something that you know you can use wisdom and and you're like to protect yourself but at the same time like you're still not in control um, and that's a scary thing um, but it's also reality and you know we don't have more control now than we did two months ago we're just more aware of it um, yeah, I think the secondhand trauma thing can apply more to Chattanooga right now. Um, you know, I think seeing our friends or family or just our community go through something so horrific, um, is really tough, you know, and I, I know, I mean, it hasn't impacted me on a really personal level other than, you know, losing power for a while um but it still broke my heart to see 
that damage. And it's, you know, it's one thing to see it on the news. It's, you know, you know, with coronavirus, seeing stuff in Italy, it's one thing to see that on the news. And yes, that can, that can overwhelm some people. It's another thing when it's in your community and you're seeing something so up close and personal. It's, it's very overwhelming. Uh, yeah. From personal experience going out and Monday morning or Monday afternoon after everything was kind of done and you're able to go out and help. Um, Paige and I went to uh, some friends from small group's house. And when we got there, nothing can prepare you for it. It's literally like you're walking into a war zone um, where the enemy's already come through and it's just everyone. What, what do we do? You, you struggle with asking questions because you know, our, in our case, our friends were overwhelmed. And so you're, you're trying to make decisions, but not overstep boundaries. And, Mm -hmm. and it's the first time I personally have ever experienced shock in a mental state. Yeah. And I was not, our house is fine. We didn't even lose power here. We were so blessed in the situation and to see people that we care about go through it at all. And I mean, I fought tears then I'm thinking about it now, fighting tears now it's, it's a very difficult thing to experience. And again, I was they're They're blessed too in different ways, but I didn't go through any of that personally, mm-hmm. but you could feel the weight of it all. Yeah. I, you know, I think I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, from a mental health perspective, what's the best way to approach coronavirus and the changes there and, um, and tornadoes and, and all of that. And I think, you know, the reality is these are things that are out of our control and are stressful at the very least, traumatic at the worst. Um, And, you know, I think so often we want that, you know, people want a therapist to be able to tell them that quick fix or, hey, how do I, how do I fix myself? How do I fix my emotions? Um, And, you know, I think the reality is that like, you're going to have negative emotions. There's nothing wrong with you having negative emotions. There's nothing wrong with grieving with your community over the loss of all these things. Um, There's nothing wrong with grieving the loss of, you know, your social life and being able to spend time with with people. And so I think that the answer isn't necessarily some quick fix, but rather like it's okay to be having negative emotions about all of this. Um, And I think, you know, as a culture, we're pretty slow to go deep into our feelings and talk to people about it. Um, but I think that maybe we've kind of been shaken to the point, or at least I'm feeling a little shaken more to talk about deep things with people, just with the stuff, just the tornadoes coming through. Um, and I think that there is something about talking through that. That's why I think stories are so important. Um, and actually I've been really proud of our church because that's one of the, the, one of the responses that they have to the tornado stuff is, um, having a group of people who's willing to listen to the stories of um of people who've gone through that not to just like say hey here's jesus um but just to listen to the stories because we know that that helps the more that somebody is able to talk through their story what happened how they felt um the less likely it is to turn into ptsd later um and so being able to tell your story and talk through what's going on whether that's with a traumatic event like a tornado or with just really stressful events with coronavirus like being able to share that with other people 
and, and kind of have that community around you is really important. And that's not going to make your negative emotions go away like that. And you may still have anxiety, but having that support, you know, that carrying one another's burdens, um, there's a reason that I think God tells us to do that. So we hope this this episode has been encouraging um, in some way or at least has given you some application that you can take into your life and just heal or to help others heal uh, as we're all struggling through some really difficult times. But before I do let you guys go, I wanted to just give you an encouraging word. I want to read a story to you. Um, it's from John 11. It's, it's the story about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. I'm going to be reading through the the message version. I'm going to start in verse 17. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, he'll give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end. I am, right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. All along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. After saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, The teacher is here and is asking for you. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not yet entered the town, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary running off, they followed her, thinking that she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews were sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. He said, Where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. The Jews said, Look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, Well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. Then Jesus, the anger welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave on the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead four days. Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, Go ahead and take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you've listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver, wrapped from head to toe and with a kerchief over his face. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. Here's what's amazing about that story. We see that Jesus wept with his friends. He wept with them, mourned with them, grieved with them. 
even though he knew what was going to happen next. He knew that there was about to be a resurrection. But instead of ignoring the deep and real emotions that his friends Martha and Mary felt, he chose to be there with them in that moment. Right now, yes, there are terrible things happening in the world, but in each of our lives, he is still with us. Joshua 1.9 says that we are to be courageous because he is with us. The Psalms say over and over that he hears the cries for help, that he bottles up our tears, that he is with the brokenhearted. What you are feeling and experiencing right now is seen, heard, and understood by the God who created the universe. And he is right there with you, fighting alongside you and weeping when you weep. And just like it says in Romans 8.28, he will work all things together for good. Yes, the world is struggling against COVID-19. Yes, people are getting sick and dying. Yes, the economy is in danger. Yes, you lost your job. Yes, your house was destroyed by a tornado. Yes, you're feeling lost, afraid, confused, and hurt. But he is still with you. And a resurrection is coming. Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. Just search underscore MV podcast on any platform. Again, that's underscore MV podcast. This podcast was created and produced by Kip Wilkinson and Michael Horvath. This episode was mastered and scored by J.A. Parkey. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story. Because of um, just the severity of my alopecia, I guess, at this point. Hmm. So. It is what it is. I think you could pull off the shaven eyebrows. BTS photos. I I shaved my eyebrows when I was in middle school. Yeah? Yeah. I thought I had a unibrow. I didn't. And so I went down (laughs) the middle and I just kept trying to even. And then the next thing I knew, it was was too late. That's Um, awesome. I was on a swim team though. And I did that during the summer. So everybody thought it was intentional when school started. just trying to like start a trend. Michael Phelps got nothing on me. Yeah. Does he shave his eyebrows? I doubt it. He shaves everything. He shaves his eyelashes off. He wears goggles. But he still does it (laughs) because he's that dedicated to the sport. Are you really, you're really that loud right now? Yes. No, you're not. No, you're not. You were for a split second and now you're. Oh, you've got a headphone in. It's because I talk really weird. Yeah, you do. You should see your levels going. That last time is like here and the other one's literally like that. I'm like a. What's his name? I can tell you talk differently. Judah Smith. I'm like Judah Smith. Sometimes my voice gets really loud and serious. Then I draw you in. Sometimes you if he does talk your wife on the podcast, then then in real life. Well, in real life. I no, think I have we a both speaker. do. I have, yeah, we have speaker voices. Yeah. I have even more of a broadcast voice than what is in the podcast. Yeah, because when I was on the else. radio, kind of intimidating actually. Why? Good. Well, the whole, like, before it was, like, all up in your face. The reason I have it sideways is it allows for a clear... 
oh, viewpoint. I didn't mean it. Like it's just I've never been on a podcast before. Like you were indirectly on Kips. Indirectly. Need to That's need true. to ask a small question because we discussed this briefly. Do you want us to not use your name? Oh, uh, you don't care. care. Okay. Not for this. All right. Are you sure? Because your voice sounds the same kind of thing. I don't care. Okay. Also, this because this isn't my story. I mean, that's fair. If it was my story, I'd be a lot more hesitant. Also, it's not like you're going to broadcast my name all over the place. It's literally going to be the only selling point for this episode. Aaron's in it. You have to listen to it. Well, that's okay. Did you look at my notes at all? But like, I yeah, I did. I did. Okay. About okay. It because so she probably she probably won't come in until the mental health questions really. He don't want you in here yet. You can I, if I you mean, want to. There's probably no need for me. Like, feel, definitely feel free to say something. Sorry, I was reading your microphone. I know that <clears throat> probably like, what is he looking at? Making sure your little knobs. Well, are... you don't want me to just speak up whenever. This time. I mean, you're right. You're a woman. You, you can't. You're not allowed to speak <laughs> until spoken to. We can use that as a great transition point as well. Oh no! Are we recording? Yeah, we've been recording. <laughs> That cannot be a blooper. <laughs> you just hubby. gave me ideas, man. I know. I know you don't mean it. Or does he? He doesn't mean it. Good. Yeah, I'm a doormat in real life. No, he's not a doormat. He's a punching bag. No, he's not a I don't know. Sometimes. <laughs> That's uh, not true. We have a relationship filled with respect. I didn't I almost say said suspect. suspect. That's sus. <laughs> There's respect. there's too many blooper options here now. How's that song go? I'm off. I'm, I'm missing the melody though. I can't figure it out. You are just giving me bloopers and bloopers <laughs> and bloopers. I hope you know that. <laughs> I mean, we've had Chelsea sing in an episode. It was great. Because the bloopers will just be Aaron singing. That's going to be it. <laughs> That's it. Ice, ice, baby. Well, there's the blooper. That <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Oh, no. <laughs> I did this to yes. myself. I think I'm going to edit this one. Yep. <coughs> That's more of a personal note rather than a... You can cut that out. I don't care. I'm going to leave it. That was creepy. Um, 